Uh, if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to grab that and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we'll get there in a moment. My name's Matt. If you're new with us, uh, I do want to echo what RCR said. We do thank the Lord for you. We don't take it lightly that you're here with us. We know that there's other places you could be, but the fact that you're joining with us today means something to us. We want to know that you're here. Uh, and so we do ask you either drop that little card off in the basket at the end, uh, or if you're brave enough, t- come out the back doors, come see us. We want to just Thank the Lord for you, help you connect here, make this place not just a one-off experience, but a home. Uh, we, we, that's what we desperately, desperately desire, and we pray for, for you and your family. And so uh, we're excited that you're here with us. You know, as we uh, are kind of um, leaning into a new kind of season in your calendar, I don't know if, if you guys are aware of this, but this Thursday uh, is Thanksgiving. Right, and so all the the men in the room said a resounding amen. Right, like we've had this day uh, just kind of circled for for many days. The big day in the life of a of a dude, uh, you know, football and and sports and uh, and food is uh, you know just great great things for all of us. And so uh, you know, I've, I'm super excited about this time of year, and uh, and I know many of you are. You know, uh, my wife and I we started talking uh, several weeks ago about upcoming Thanksgiving and just kind of where it falls in a calendar this year. And I, I went back and I looked over the last like four or five years. I don't believe Thanksgiving has, has landed this late in the month, this close to Christmas. And, and so for, for a guy who really loves Christmas and everything about it, uh, you know, I started bumping Christmas music shortly after Halloween. Uh, and so, uh, if, so for, for me to find out I'm going to lose four or five days of Christmas was kind of like a panic attack set in on, on my wife and I. And so we, we began to kind of uh, binge watch The Grinch and uh, The Home Alones. I may have or may not have already made it through all of those. Uh, and before you judge me, listen, I see your Facebook. So I know a lot of you mamas have had that Christmas tree up through Halloween, right? So, uh, so listen, we're all in this together. I think there's something about this season you know, that we, we all really love. I look around the church, and I was super excited. I walked in, saw the lobby all decorated. I don't know who all had their hands in that, but you did a great job. And your homes are, you're decking the halls and your home and, and all that kind of stuff. And we're, we're really not just uh, celebrating Thanksgiving this Thursday, but we're really popping the cork on a holiday season uh, that, that I personally really, really love. There's a lot about it I love. Like I told you, a couple of things. I love the I love the food. I love the hangs. I love being around family, some family. I love uh, I love, you know, I love the gifts. I love like the, the smells and the lights. I love all that stuff, right? Uh, in my home, uh, it was my uh, in-law's home that we're going to in Knoxville. The, the, the ladies even have this tradition. This thing happens. It's, it's really for a guy. I just kind of marvel at it. Uh, it's kind of like a, like a SEAL team kind of like mapping out their attack plan the next day of, th- you know, after Thanksgiving or really in, in our culture today on Thanksgiving, uh, you know, they all they kind of lay out all the papers on the ground and they're like just kind of like they're driving nails in the floor and like stretching yarn from this place to this place like here's here's how we're going to handle black friday we're going to get we're going to just kind of divide and conquer this thing and it's a little bit of a joke but the reality is like i love it i love everything about this this time of year and and i know i'm not alone but i think when i began to think about where we sit kind of in this calendar year and kind of what was kind of going on even in my mind and my heart as i'm prepping for thanksgiving and this season, I began to kind of ask the question about, you know, when it comes to the things that occupy the largest amount of my thought space, right, with this year, the, the memories that, that I'm most excited about, the things I hold on to in this season, you know, all the things I mentioned, all the things you may also love about Thanksgiving, is it right that that's 
that's what I think about. That's what I gravitate to. That's what I'm holding on to. That's what my heart's kind of prompted to be excited about are those things. You know, specifically when, it talk, when we talk about Thanksgiving, like, is it right that on a day that is traditionally set aside to actually give thanks, that that's probably one of the last things on the list in my heart of what I'm leaning into, right, of what I'm looking forward to? Like, is, is that right? You see, I think the problem, and we'll make sure I say this, okay, because I don't want you to hear this, because you're going to see, or, or you may hear, that I participated in a lot of the things I'm talking about, all right? Like, I love all of those things, and we're going to do all of those things, but it, it, I think the problem with this year isn't that you dip out of your in-laws a few hours early, right? So some of you, that may be your your Sabbath, right? Your, your safe space to, to dip out and do that. I'm not saying it's that you get out of Dodge and go check out a sale. That's not it. I think a lot of the, the problem with maybe the, um, the, the I guess the, the biggest problem in this season isn't the things that we do, but maybe the thing that we neglect to do in this season, right? It's not that, you know, that enjoying all those things are bad. It's just like, is the main thing the main thing anymore, right? Or like, are all those things peripheral to the main thing? Right? And I think we have. I think we've lost sight potentially. That's what I'm really going to contend to you this morning is that potentially we have lost sight of the purpose, not just for, listen to me, not just for a moment in your calendar, Thanksgiving, but the life, the life that is to be a Christian is one of Thanksgiving. You know, uh, I, I would say that that's true of us. And, you know, I think what we're going to see from the text today, what I hope to show you, okay, is not just that Thanksgiving is a day that we're supposed to remember and to actually reflect and to have deep-set gratitude that glorifies the Lord and thankfulness, but the, the very purpose for your life is that, to be a thankful person. I will say it this way. You were created, and I believe the scripture is clear, you were created for Thanksgiving. You were created. I just want to read a few verses to you to show you my point. Uh, Psalm 100, 1 through 5, y'all know this. Brad, I think Brad has said this. We've sang, we've sang this. We've said this together several times. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. Look at this. And we are his. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with, what is it? Thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Here it is again. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For he, the Lord, is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. This was a text on Wednesday night. And I just want to kind of, I guess, maybe pause the sermon for a second. Step over here and just say to you, this, this text was when we, we had something this past Wednesday night called Creek's Giving. It's like this annual thing that we do with our student ministry over the last several years where uh, we have this, this, we try to feed a couple hundred kids. And I just want you to know uh, in this space, in this building, that's crazy. And it's an undertaking we couldn't do on our own. And so many of you either dropped off a handful of kids or, or a busload of kids, or you uh, cooked or baked and maybe didn't get your dishes back or whatever they look at in the kitchen, right? But you, you uh, participated and contributed somehow to that night. And I just want to say to you, thank you so much. The reality is, guys, listen, the longer I'm in student ministry, and Kyle alluded to this last week, if you weren't with us, you know, the, the reality is uh, there are so many students that we get a minute, uh, an opportunity to minister to that will not be able to see a meal like the one we gave them 
right, for Thanksgiving. So it's super cool to, uh, to be able to do that. So just thank you for that. And then on Creek's Giving, the reason I talked about that was because we sat in this verse together as a student ministry before we went and did that, before we actually fed them. We, we read this verse and talked about it. And, and this is really what uh, it gets at the heart of Thanksgiving. In, in verse 16, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And then verse 18, give thanks. And here's the piece. Look here. It says, in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. So you want to know what the will of God for your life is? That you would be a people who rejoice always, pray without ceasing, that you would be tethered to and thankful for God himself, right? And here's the piece, in all circumstances, the good and the bad. Ephesians 5 says this in verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord. Jesus Christ. So throughout the narrative of Scripture, what is clear and what we are supposed to feel as believers and receive from the Word is that we were created and called to be a thankful people. Do you get that? We're created and called to, exhorted to. And the reason we're exhorted to do this is because this is not natural, right? We've fallen from thanksgiving, Right? Our hearts are supposed to be filled with the gratitude of the Lord. But the reality is we look at our society, we look at our culture, you just feel what's going on inside of you this morning. The fabric of our culture and society is not one of thankfulness, but thanklessness and forgetfulness. See, instead of having this constant awareness that the scripture talks about of, of being a thankful people that are constantly aware of, the, of gratitude that we ought to have for God and actually feeling that, instead of this constant awareness to the Lord as the giver of all things, we have a unquenchable, I have an unquenchable at times thirst for more things. For more things. We're not content with the Lord. We want more than him. Instead of being a people who are, you know, deeply appreciative to God in all circumstances, all the time, especially on Thanksgiving, right? A day where we ought to give thanks to the Lord. We often fail to give any thought to the Lord as we sit around tables, like surrounded by people that we love and that love us, with more food in front of us that many people around the world will eat in a year, within heated homes that many people around the world never get to occupy, purchased by household incomes in the top 1% of the world. Did you realize that? You may be in the room and you say, it's been a hard year. I would still continue. More than likely, you're in the top 1% of the world's economy. Top 1%. And many times, it's hard for us. And many times, it's hard for me to say, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you've provided. Thank you for who you are, for your steadfastness, for your faithfulness to me. Listen, the reality is, guys, here's what I'm saying to you. We were created for Thanksgiving, but we've fallen from Thanksgiving. Right, we have fallen from thanksgiving, and the reality is the dysfunction of our hearts and around your homes, maybe around this time of year, and many of you are going to step into some places, you're going to go to some family members' houses that you would rather be anywhere else on earth but in that room, right? And the dysfunction that you see and maybe that you feel as I described this this morning, it didn't start at Granny's. All right, I'll make sure you get that. That's not where the, the genesis of this is. The, the, the beginning of the dysfunction happened in the garden. It happened in the garden. The beginning of the, of the Bible, the beginning of the canon of Scripture in Genesis, it talks about God's uh, creative work. 
He created all things. And after each step of his created work, it says that he, he declared it very good. He creates man and woman, and he places them in the garden, and he gives them everything to enjoy. He tells them to have dominion over all of these things. They have unrestricted access to himself, and that's the point, isn't it? Like The point of, of the garden was that the Adam and Eve it would enjoy God. Right? It wasn't, the, it wasn't the stuff. It wasn't the garden. It was God in the garden. Right? That's, that's, that's what was lost. And so what happened was the moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed the Lord, turned from him, moved past contentment with God, what they did was kind of usher in this, this spiral away from thanksgiving. Right? And that is invaded, pervaded every one of our hearts. You see, what, what happened in the garden wasn't just simply the kind of the uh, institution of sin, although it was. What happened in the garden was that that was the beginning of every heart naturally being bent away from glorifying the God of the garden, right? Bent away from glorifying the God of the garden and being a people who are ever searchful for things in it. That, 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 that's really what's happened in our hearts is that we are people who have fallen from thanksgiving. Look how Paul talks about this in Romans 1.21. He says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, look at this, or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And here it is, underline this in your Bible, and they exchanged they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. So there's this exchange that happened when, when we fell from thanksgiving in which we were created to live, right? Paul says that not only has the kind of the deterioration of his holiday season uh, happened, uh, but that's also the breaking down. There's been this deterioration in, of humanity at its core from that moment in the garden. Paul says that although they knew God, we didn't honor him or adore him above all things. Right? But what happened? There's this exchange that took place. Right? There's this exchange. Instead of finding all that we needed in the, in, in the glory of God, right? being content with him, being filled with him, being glad in him, what happened is we exchanged it, and now we look for it in the things that the creator created. Right? Not the creator himself. And I think this is, listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself this morning, right? I'm with you in this, right? Like, I, I, I felt this all week. And, and, and if we're honest, guys, this is our default, right? This is our default position. Our default position isn't to wake up in the morning and be cautiously aware of all of God's graces to us and, and be thankful for it. That's, that's actually, we're actually bent away from that because of our sin nature. We, we, our default is that we will search the heavens for happiness and never see God in it. Right? We'll search the heavens for happiness. We'll search the heavens for contentment, for joy, for satisfaction. And when God is saying, it's right here. It's right here. I, I, this, it's me. It's me that you're looking for. You see, some of you, I think, and I want to make sure I say this because I don't want to be insensitive. I think some of you have walked through some stuff this year. Right? Like you're presently walking in a situation that's heavy and real and weighty. Marital issues, financial strain, job loss. Loss of a loved one, kids are rebelling, like there's all kinds of things, uncertainty, it, just whatever, medical report that you, you are um, 
you're waiting. Right? The reality is, guys, like, there's a lot in our lives that is heavy and weighty. And I think many of us can, can say, God, what do I have to be thankful for? That passage in 1 Thessalonians is one that still rings so true that even when we don't feel it, Paul says, in all circumstances, we have reason to be thankful. How? How do we get back there, right? So, so th- this is kind of UI kind of maps, right? We, we've been created for Thanksgiving, but yet we've fallen from that because of sin. So what I want to do in the remainder of this time together is talk about how we get back. Right? How do we get back to what was lost in the garden? How do we get back there? Okay, and, and I think that Colossians chapter 3 has an answer to that. All right, and, and so... I want, to, I want to read this together. You should already be there. I know that was kind of a, a journey to get to that text, but I think, it's, I think it's appropriate to set this up. And so let's, let's read, starting in verse 15. This is the word of the Lord, and it says this, And let the peace, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Here it is. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's this hat trick that takes place in those three verses of thankfulness. And I want to make sure you see in that text, there's almost this progression I want to point out in a minute. But what what happens in each verse is Paul intentionally mentions Christ and then gives us reason or an exhortation to be thankful. Right? So there's this either this means or there's this remembrance, right, by which we are to see Christ and be thankful. All right, and so there's three things I really want you to, to take from this this morning, and the reality is there's probably a lot more, but for the, our purposes this morning, three things I, I thought when I, when I looked at this text that kind of stuck out to me, if we want to be a people who not only, I think, can maybe experience Thanksgiving anew this year, right, but not only just like a moment, but this season and beyond that, our lives could be lived in gratitude to the Lord. I think there's three things that uh, kind of stick out of this text to me. The first one is this. Thankful people are rooted in the gospel. Okay? Thankful people are rooted in the gospel. Thankful people are rooted in the gospel. Paul, Paul says in that passage, he says, let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And I, as I was reading this this week, I was like, man, how, how good is that and timely is that for our ears to hear? Like, like this season, there are so many things that media, that commercials, that news outlets, that kids project and push into your eyelids of things that, you know, are ruling in their hearts and, and that the world and the enemy wants to rule in yours. Right? There are so many things that are coming at your heart and seeking to kind of crowd the throne room of your heart of which Paul says that the peace of Christ ought to be sitting that the peace of Christ ought to be ruling in your heart. But, but the reality is, is our culture kind of projects this message of materialism and discontentment. That man hits us all, if we're, if we're just real. Like we're just getting peppered with this all day long. And it's loud. And we feel it. And I know maybe I feel it. So, I, I mean, hopefully I'm not alone in this, right? Like 
We feel this, this need to, to want, this need to, to seek more and different. But I want to make sure you understand something. Paul is like, he's not out of touch with society. So this word is good for all people all the time. Right? In fact, I would say to you that the, the culture that Paul was writing to was as perverse, if not more jacked up, than the culture in which we live today. Right? And so this word to that culture, in the face of a thankless culture in which we live and are immersed, he says, let the peace of Christ rule. The peace of Christ rule in your life. Here's what I think he's saying. Let me just say it this way. Let the gospel be the loudest thing in your life. But the gospel, when he's talking about the peace of Christ, he's talking about the gospel. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. This is what he's saying. This holiday season and every day of your life, let the gospel be the loudest thing. Right? Let the gospel be louder than the noise of want in your life, louder than comparison, which we all know steals the joy of any season. Right? Louder than the noise of comparison, louder than, the, than worry. Listen, like that is something every one of us at times, you know it's not from God. Right? So you know how you drowned out worry? The gospel. Right? You drowned out worry with the gospel. You louder than, than worry and louder than the dysfunction of the homes that we'll sit around. And there's other things, guys, that, that are loud to us that the gospel needs to be louder than. Right? He says, let the gospel be louder. And I just, as I was looking at this this week, I was like, man, what if the gospel was the loudest thing in, in, in my life? I think when the gospel grips a person, they become a believer. Right? We know that. When the gospel grips a gathering, it becomes a church. And when gospel grips a church, it makes an impact. Right? What if that was true of our holiday season? Like, what if the gospel was the loudest thing to us? And when I say that, some of you, you're like, listen, we throw that word gospel around. What are you talking about? Well, I think the word that he said there, let the peace of Christ kind of allude something to us. And the reality is, is that because our default position is bent away from thankfulness to God, what we need to understand is that be, we are uh, not by inception, not by birth uh, at peace with God. Right? The reality is because of sin, because of that bent, we are enemies of God. We're at enmity with him. You need to understand that, that the dysfunction that you may feel and the worry that you're kind of sitting in and all this stuff, there is something far worse than that. And that is to be an enemy of God. Like it is incalculable how terrifying it is to be at the receiving end of God's wrath. And the gospel is that to a passive audience, an audience that uh, Ephesians says is dead. Like we, we come into this world not loving God, right? You may be a per perfectly, by you know, horizontal standards, you may say, I'm a pretty good person. Maybe so. But the great news and also the terrifying news is that the standard's never been horizontal. It's always vertical. God is the standard and he is holy. He's holy. And so to a people who come in corrupted by sin radically, right, we are not friends of God. We are enemies of his. And the gospel is that while we were yet sinners, right, like while, while I was not swimming, trying to find God, looking for a life raft, but while I was chum at the bottom of the ocean, God reached into my dead heart and gave it a pulse, Open my eyes to see Jesus. 
gave me the faith. The Bible says it, the faith you placed. Some of you are like, listen, I walked an aisle when I was 10. Well, you know who shoved you? The Lord. I placed faith. I I chose God. Well, I would say to you, the Bible says before you ever chose him, he chose you. Right? You weren't looking for him. You you didn't go to camp. I tell our students this all the time. You didn't go to camp looking for Jesus. You chased a girl. Right? And what did? God showed up on the mountain and opened your eyes to see Christ. That's what happened. Right? And so what needs to be, what, what he says is if you want to be a thankful people who get back to the heart of that, we have to be a people where we remember the gospel that we didn't have it coming. We weren't looking for it. We didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. We weren't good looking enough for it. Grandmama's just fragrant faith didn't just bask over you and God just grayed on a curve. It didn't happen that way. The gospel is that we didn't deserve it, but Jesus did it all, right? And, and by faith alone, we are saved. He says, you want to find reason to be thankful? Remember the gospel. And let me say this to you. I would say to you, based on the authority of scripture, there is no way that someone can have deep set, unfading thankfulness in their heart apart from one surrendered to the gospel of Jesus. Believers, the church is the only place where thankfulness can be found in all circumstances. That's it. That's the only place, right? Because that's the, it it is the, uh, the only unchanging thing in your life is what Jesus has done on your behalf. So you want to find a reason to be thankful Remember the gospel. Listen, one writer put it this way. For the Christian with both feet standing firmly in the good news of Jesus, there are possibilities for a true thanksgiving, which otherwise we would never know. Some of you have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Maybe some of you haven't. He was a German pastor. Uh, He was an author. He was an anti-Nazi activist who uh, was also like he worked actively to take down. He he was trying to take down Hitler. Uh, He was like a co-conspirator. Guy's a ninja. Uh, and anyway, he was arrested at one point in his life and served a year and a half prison sentence in a box about the size of the carpet I'm standing on. Year and a half. Because of his outspoken kind of opposition to what was going on uh, with the Holocaust. And at the end of his prison sentence, look what he said. And this, this, this has confronted my thanklessness, if I'm honest. He says, you must never doubt that I'm traveling with gratitude and cheerfulness along the road where I'm being led. My past life, this is post-prison sentence, okay? My past life is brim full of God's goodness. And my sins are completely covered by the forgiving love of Christ crucified. I'm so thankful for the people I've met, and I only hope that they never have to grieve about me, but that they, too, will always be certain of and thankful for God's mercy and forgiveness. See, I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer had that that kind of life lived in a posture of thanksgiving because he was a guy who never forgot the gospel. That needs to be the thing that's foremost in us uh, this this season. If we want to be a people who get back to what was lost in the garden, we got to remember be tethered to, rooted in the gospel. The final, th- or the second thing here is thankful people abide in the word in the church. We abide, in, and I'm just going to tell you, in this, this text is verse 16. He says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell, I want you to underline that, dwell. 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, in, uh, in sermon prep this week, there's always like a, a verse or a phrase or something that kind of punches a little harder than the rest. This was probably the part for me personally that I had to just wrestle with and, and, and do some soul work on. And the, and the reality is, is that when he says the word of Christ dwell in you, I'm, I am uh, by nature not a person who dwells. Like, uh, I may dwell on criticisms and things like that. What I'm saying is I'm like a, uh, you know, like, I don't know, like hamster on steroids. Like, I'm just like always like just, you know, just going, 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 never, never settle down, never kind of unwind, never unplug, which is also a huge obstacle for me in being a husband I want to be or the dad I want to be, right? Like actually stopping and listening, caring to what my wife has to say, what's going on in her world. I just want to download my world to her and then skid her on down to, to do something else, right? And never stop and listen or sitting in the floor and being present with Lottie. These are all things that, that I'm still learning and trying to, to grow in a, a, as a father. And uh, this part of this passage which says, let the word of Christ, you know, that's the only place in the Bible that that phrase shows up, the word of Christ. And what he's talking about is the fullness of the scripture, the both Old Testament, New Testament, the fullness of scripture and the gospel. It says, let the, the word of God dwell. Let it dwell in you richly. What he's saying is, is that uh, he's making this case that if we want to be a people who get back to Thanksgiving, we have to live in the scriptures in such a way that the scriptures live in us. Right? And what that does, it really confronts like the flippant quiet time. Right? Like the two, the two minute, like the little uh, you know, verse long devotional time with the Lord. Where you read one verse of scripture in you know, five paragraphs of someone else's great quiet time. Right, he says, if we want to be a people who get back to Thanksgiving, we have to be a people who, who move past the superficial and really dwell in the word of God. Let me just say to you, those things are not bad. Like I, I do devotionals with a little bite, but those things are supposed to be supplemental only. Right? So get before the word. That's what he says. He says, if you want to be a thankful person, you have to dwell there. And the, you know that, that word dwell in its original context is a word that means to to be stationary, right? To be stationary, to be unmoving. And, and this thing about the season that we're in, right? Like, like stores and doors open earlier and earlier every year, don't they? Like, it's like, we can't even, it's like culture's putting out this message and society's projecting this thing on our, uh, uh, even maybe subconsciously, uh, that, that Thanksgiving is really about, you know, we need to move past, uh, you know, thoughtful reflection and sitting with family and being thankful and all those things and, and, and get busy shopping and boxing and getting and doing. And, and to that, this passage says, no, if you want to be a thankful person, it's not about going and getting more or looking for the next thing. It's about slowing down and dwelling. Dwell. You know, I'm reading a book right now that um, this, guy named, uh, this guy's name is John Mark Comer, and he has this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And the, the whole point of the book is that the biggest obstacle to your spiritual growth is actually the hurry in your life. And, and it's, a, it's a big concept. Hurry is much bigger than what, just going to work, right, quickly. It's it just this hurry, this, this constant movement, never being with God, right? And he has this, uh, he, he has this, this quote he got from, a, from somebody. I don't know where it's from. But basically the point of the quote is that he says, attention precedes adoration. Make sure you hear that. Attention 
precedes or comes before adoration. So my point is this. What, what they said in the book is basically, if you want to adore Christ, you have to stop and look at him. Right? You have to stop and listen to him. You have to really think. And, and so for me, guy who's like super like moving all the time, like always going, this is like hard for me, if I'm honest to stop and open my Bible in the morning, but it, it forces me into a place where I come face-to-face with something that otherwise I would blow by. Right? And I know that some of us are the same way. The attributes of God, his goodness, his faithfulness, his justice, his mercy, his, his grace, unmerited favor in my life. Right? Like, that's what the word, that's what being a person abiding, remaining, being stationary in the word of God does for a heart. Right? It, it, it moves us to this place of seeing Jesus, whom if your eyes have been opened to the gospel, you will be thankful. Right? The Holy Spirit of God now dwells in you. And, and it, it, it points us to Christ. It points us to glory in him. So this, is, this is also why in this passage we, we need the church. The, the text says, so there's this kind of progression. Your heart is, uh, is ruled by the peace of Christ. And then it says, and be thankful and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So we do that kind of individually. And there's a piece of this that's collectively. Look what he says. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. That's the plural, right? Your hearts to God. So there's this thing happening in this passage. I hope you see how this, project, this progression is that when your hearts individually are captured and captive by a, a thankfulness to God, brought on by a, a remembrance of the gospel, we come in this room and something happens collectively, right? It says we sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what is so important about what happens here, not being superficial, but the words that we sing being saturated with scripture, saturated with doctrine, saturated with theology. Because what happens is if we sing songs that say, you are great, you're the point, you're awesome, you're the center of the world, then what happens in response as we sing is we glorify ourselves. But when we sing songs like the song, Psalm 23, right? Or we sing songs like the one we're going to sing at the end of this service, he will hold me fast. That has, listen, this sermon has nothing to do with eternal security and, and assurance of salvation. But it also has everything to do with it. Right? Because when we sing songs like that, what we're reminded of is that Christ did it all. And because he did it all, I can never lose it all. Right? He has secured what I can never do. And so therefore, he will hold me fast. Right, so we sing songs saturated in Scripture. And what it does for us is we're reminded. And here's the piece I want to say something uh, to you guys about is this. You know, we often say, you're not singing to the person next to you. Lift your voices. You're not singing to the person. Don't worry about who's sitting next to you. I'm going to tell you that is actually wrong. You are absolutely singing to the person next to you. You're singing to the Lord for the person next to you. You want to know why? Because there are people that come in here and they're distracted by everything that's happened in their life. They're distracted by all the things they're worried about. They're distracted by the job they just lost, or the, the family member they just lost, the, the cancer report they just received, and they don't find reason to be thankful. And so when you come in here and we lift our voices to God, what we're doing is we're reminding them. We're teaching them something. You see, there's a, the pastor has a ministry to the word, but you do as well. 
when you sing, when you sing the scripture, when you sing doctrine, when you sing theology of what Jesus has done and what we have to be thankful for, you're actually doing a ministry to the word to the person next to you, right? And so listen, it is so important when we sing that we don't just, we don't just miss the moment, right? That's why the Lord, put, he thought of church. This isn't our idea. A lot of us are introverted. We don't want to be around a lot of people. We do this because it, it, it gladdens our hearts and the ones next to us. All right, so abide in the word and abide in the church. And the final piece is this. I'm going to close with this idea. Thankful people. So thankful people are rooted in the gospel. They abide in the word and church. And thankful people live in a posture of gratitude. Here's the idea, right? What he says here is that whatever you do in word or deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks, he says, to God the Father through Jesus. Here's the point, is that our theology, what we hear, what we see in the word, what we know of God, always terminates, not on you, but on what's called doxology, which is worship. And so the point of this passage is that as we are individually spurred on to remember Jesus because of the gospel, collectively spurred on, to remember the gospel because of the singing of songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We live lives in worship to God. Live lives in doxology. Live lives poured out in thankfulness to God. That's the point of what he's saying. He says that thanksgiving is not just a point in your year, right? Thanksgiving is the posture of your life. The trajectory of your life is one that is thanksgiving to God. All of you live for all of him. So where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? Are you distracted by what you came in here with so much so that you fail to see reason to be thankful? Maybe in these next moments you need to hear the words of these songs and not just lip them. Like let them, let them sit on you. Right? I would even say that your level of thankfulness may be directly proportional to the health of your walk with Christ. I mean, spend time in his word be in community with other people. It's part of the iron sharpening iron. As we do that, and we, we remember. We remember. We call out reasons to be thankful in each other. Right? We, we bring to the, the forefront of our eyes God's goodness in the midst, like in the middle of hard things. Right? We, we say, man, I lost this person in my life, but God, you've still given me breath and reason to praise you. Right? Uh, man, we are in financial difficulty, but God, you've given me a home. You've given me a roof. You've given me family and people to do life with. So therefore, my life is lived in the posture of thanksgiving to you for the rest of it. Maybe tonight, this morning, whatever time it is, right? This morning you're here and you, you've never, never heard the gospel. So I've told you, for you, I'd say it's very difficult for you to have an unshifting an un, uh, or unfading thankfulness and gratitude in your heart. It'll last about as long as the next thing you get or the food you eat. But Jesus Christ will remain forever. So I, I wanna, we want to talk with you about that. RC or myself will be out at the door. We'd love to just man, drop by, come with us, thank the Lord for you and sit down with you and talk about what it means to follow Christ. For the rest of us here in a moment, we're going to worship. We're going to move into a time of response. And I want us just to, man, let's reflect, let's thank the Lord, and let's live lives in a posture of gratitude. We pray for us. Father, we love you. God, thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. And God, I pray that we are always ever reminded of reason that we have to be thankful. 
Would it not just end on Thursday, Father? But God, I pray that every day of our lives is lived in light of who you are and what you've accomplished in Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen.